0: Hey, men. Hey, Rach. I am obsessed with Nora's skincare. Do you know why? Why? Because before I go to bed, I can just put on some lovely moisturizer and I feel so good before I get under the covers. Oh, nice. My skin looks great too. It does. Yeah, it's.
1: I get to see it. Right? (laughs) You're glowing. Thank you. I love it. Yeah, so what's your favorite product?
0: I love the moisturizer. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite. Um, I use that every day. Nice. Used it even before I came over here. Can you tell? (laughs) I love it.
1: Well, my favorite is actually their calming oil. Um, It's great for my skin. I used to suffer from cystic acne. And I always thought that I had to over dry my skin to kind of combat and fight things, but their oil has just balanced my skin and I'm so incredibly grateful. Um, It is a non-toxic, clean, sustainable beauty line. Um, Be sure to check them out at naraforall.com or on Instagram at naraforall. And while you're shopping, use code Femlor to save 25% off your purchase. So again, that's code Femlor to save 25% off of your purchase at naraforall.com. Happy shopping. The stories we tell communicate who we are and what we value.
0: Each episode, we consider a different story from our perspective as women. From murder ballads to fairy tales, we discuss the power these stories have over us all. This is our history, both real and imagined, told through the eyes of today. This is Femlore. Hey, Andy. Good to see you on the podcast today. Good to see you too, Rachel. <laughs> We have a special guest star, but also a special guest, as usual. Andy is here today.
1: I imagine. Shaking away. His voice. Yeah. He always oversees our recording yes, and loves he does. when Rachel comes over.
0: Sometimes he gives me some valuable feedback and I have to take that criticism lightly. You know, yeah. I have to really I have to really lean in and just feel like He's a dog with
1: opinions. He's got good opinions, yeah, you know. Yeah. Typically it does not lean And in most history. of the opinions are pet me. Yes. More attention, please.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, I said more attention. It's Can like I that's have number three. Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, well, no, we're so excited for this week. We are going to be telling a very well known story, but yeah. definitely one that we haven't um, explored in a while um, telling the tale of Snow White. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. <laughs> Definitely. And before we get into it, um, we do want to kind of let people know we're building off of the theme um, of celebrating Mother's Day. So this story we will actually be having a special guest. My mom, Ooh, Sharon, Sharon, will be joining us and um, the charity that she chose um, for their focus on empowering Children, um, especially you know, their amazing work that they do around mentorship is Big Brothers, Big Sisters. So if you want to check them out online, it's bbbs.org. Um, and Big Brothers, Big Sisters helps children realize their potential and build their futures. We they nurture children and strengthen communities and can't do any of it without great mentors, volunteers, financial support. I actually um, feel very empowered by all that they do because I just I think it's such a great organization and I had the chance of working with their now ceo artist stevens when I was at um boys and girls club Mm. and he is just an amazing leader doing so many great things for this organization so wanted to give them a shout out as well and and if you if you can't donate consider
0: becoming a volunteer I am a big sister I have a very amazing little sister um, and it's a very, very great program. Good, good, uh, good times, and uh, you know, it gets gets you out there with Even your community. Even virtual
1: mentorship, right? Yep,
0: but it's all virtual right now. Um, and it's been wonderful getting to know a very smart, amazing little kid. So I awesome. would highly recommend it. Um, so if you can't donate, that's not something you can do. Definitely check out volunteering. It's it's a really rewarding organization. So mm-hmm. take a look, and we will absolutely be donating
1: um, from the podcast. And uh, all right, well, tell me the story of Snow White. Yeah, I mean, so you've probably heard it before, but um, we will be, you know, this is not just the Disney version. Um, surprise, surprise, we're using the Brothers Grimm mm-hmm. <laughs> tale. It's like a, they have so I've many stories. They have on the of yeah, Brothers of Grimm lately. We really have wow. been, but I mean, I think it just shows how impactful their stories yeah, were and seriously. how much they spread. So um, again, a story that we mostly probably all know, or we know some version of it, but here we go. Yay. One winter day, a queen sat sewing at the window. As she looked at the snow beyond her ebony window frame, she pricked her finger on the needle, and three red drops of blood fell. How I wish I had a child, white as snow. Red as blood, and black as ebony, she thought. Before long, the queen's wish came true, and she lived only long enough to name her daughter Snow White. When the queen had been dead a year, the king remarried. His new wife was beautiful, but she was terribly vain. She had a magic mirror which only spoke the truth, and when she would ask the mirror, "'Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who's the fairest of them all?' It always answered, "'You, my queen, are the fairest in the land.'" The years went by, and Snow White grew lovelier each day. One day, when Snow White was in seventh year, the queen asked her looking looking glass, "'Who is the fairest of them all?' The mirror answered, "'Snow White is the fairest in the land.'" The queen's envy and rage grew around her like weeds until she couldn't bear it, and she called a huntsman to her. "'Take the child into the forest and kill her,' the queen commanded. "'Then bring her heart to me.' The huntsman obediently took Snow White into the forest, but when he had drawn his dagger, she begged him to spare her life. "'I'll hide in the forest forever, only please don't kill me,' she said. Relieved, the huntsman agreed and brought the queen back the heart of a wild boar that he had killed on his way back to the palace.' Snow White did as she promised and ran deep into the forest, cutting her feet on stones and scratching her cheeks on thorns. As evening fell, she spotted a cottage and went inside, where she found seven plates of food laid out on the table with seven forks and seven knives, seven cups of wine beside them. She took a little bit of food from each plate and a sip of wine from each glass. Then she lay down on one of the seven beds and fell asleep. Late in the evening, the seven dwarves who lived in the cottage returned and were taken aback when they found their food partially eaten. And they were even more shocked when they found a little girl with ebony hair and pale skin sleeping peacefully on one of their beds. When Snow White woke, she was just as startled to find seven dwarves looking at her, but they were kind and friendly. She explained about her jealous stepmother's plan to kill her and how the huntsman had spared her life. The dwarves decided that Snow White could stay with them if she kept house for them. To which the princess readily agreed and so each day when the dwarves went out to work in the mines, snow white stayed in their cottage and cooked and cleaned for them and they all got along very happily together the queen was very happy too believing that she had eaten snow white's heart but the next time she asked the mirror who is the fairest of them all the answer was still snow white and she realized that the huntsman had betrayed her and snow white was still alive then the queen devised a plan to kill snow white herself she disguised herself as an old peddler and went to the cottage where Snow White was staying. She offered up a pretty pair of stay laces, and when, the trusted child, and when the trusting child let her in, she laced her stays so quick and so tight that the child's breath left her and she fell down as dead. Now I'll be the fairest of them all, thought the queen, and she returned to the castle. But soon the dwarves returned and cut the laces of Snow White's stays, and she began to breathe again. When she told the dwarves what had happened, they said, Surely the old peddler was the queen in disguise. You must be careful while we are away and not let anyone into the cottage. It didn't take long for the queen to realize that her plan had failed, for her mirror still insisted that Snow White was the fairest in the land. The queen's rage fumed, and she used wicked witchcraft to make a poisonous comb. This time when she appeared in disguise at the dwarf's cottage Snow White refused to let her in but the old woman convinced her to at least have a look at her wares. The child was so enchanted by the comb that she let the woman in and allowed her to comb her hair. No sooner had the poisonous comb touched her than she fell to the floor still as death. The queen left congratulating herself but luckily the dwarves soon returned and took the comb from Snow White's hair and she awoke almost at once. When she learned from her magic mirror that Snow White was still alive, she swore to herself, Snow White will die, even if it costs me my life. And then she used her magic to make a poisonous apple. The apple was so beautiful that anyone who looked at it could not help but longingly want for a bite. One side of the apple was pale and the other was red, and if anyone ate a piece from the red side, they would die at once. The queen dressed herself in a new disguise and went again to the dwarf's cottage, "'I can't let you in,' Snow White said when the old woman approached. "'Oh, well,' she replied. "'I'll soon get rid of my apple somewhere else.' And she held up the apple, which was so beautiful, Snow White could not help but longingly want a bite. "'Oh, but I dare not take anything,' the girl cried. "'Here,' said the old woman. "'I'll share it with you so you can be sure it's safe.' And she cut the apple in two halves, giving Snow White the red half and keeping the pale side for herself." When the old woman had eaten her part with no ill effects, Snow White took a bite of her own half, and no sooner was the apple in her mouth when she fell down dead. Then the queen knew that she was victorious at last and returned to the palace where the mirror confirmed she was indeed the fairest in the land once more. When the dwarves returned, they tried everything that they could to revive Snow White, but nothing worked. They wept long and hard for her, but when it came time to bury her, she was still so beautiful that they could not bring themselves to put her in the ground. So they made a glass coffin for her and sat watch beside it. One day, a young prince was riding in the forest and saw Snow White lying beneath the glass, as beautiful as she had been in life. He was so enchanted with her that he offered the dwarves anything that they wanted in exchange for her coffin, but they refused to part with Snow White for any price. Then let me have it as a gift, the prince pleaded, for I cannot live without seeing her each day. The dwarves took pity on him and allowed him to take the coffin. The prince ordered his servants to take the glass coffin to his palace, but one of them tripped over a tree stump, knocking the piece of apple free from Snow White's throat. She opened her eyes and sat up in the coffin, looking around in amazement. Where am I? she asked, and the prince said, You are with me. I love you more than anything in the world. Come with me to my father's palace and I will make you my wife. Snow White agreed and a great feast was prepared for their wedding. The jealous queen was invited to the wedding and though she put on her finest gown, the mirror still told her that Snow White was the fairest of the land. Even so, she could not resist going to the wedding to see Snow White herself, but when she arrived, a pair of iron shoes were heated in the fire for her, and she was made to put them on and dance until she fell down dead. So, Rachel, Snow White, a story that we all probably know, Mm -hmm. very problematic, so so much we can talk about, and I'm... So extremely excited because we have a very special guest to help us in the discussion today. Um, today, we have my mom, Sharon, with us. Woo, Sharon! Yeah. So with that, mom, hi, how are you? I'm doing mm-hmm. wonderful. Thank you for having <laughs> me, ladies. I yeah. miss you both. I miss I know. Minnie a
2: lot and Rachel so much. The last time I saw you was this last summer. Yep, mm-hmm. I know.
1: COVID, it's kept us separated, but we'll yep. get to see you soon mm-hmm. um, and can't wait. But yeah, with that, Mom, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners?
2: Sure. I am honored to be here today. I love these podcasts that these ladies are doing. Um, I'm privileged to be Mindy's mom. I recently retired from working with the state of Michigan and the housing authority and am now living full time in Florida, where I'm not supposed to complain, according to Mindy, but today (laughs) it is cold here. It's 54 degrees and a damp, bitter cold, but and Still not shoveling snow. So I guess I'm supposed to not complain. Hey,
1: there you go. You can complain if you want. I just think it's so funny because (laughs) they haven't been down there that long. And like, so the weather we're here today, I'm like, oh, it's 54 degrees. Like, I finally, you know, it's a little warmer, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I'll talk to them and they'll be like, oh, it's so cold. It's 50. But, you know, that's because I'm coming from like 30 degree weather Mm -hmm. to 50, feels amazing in Chicago. But I actually was looking at the weather where they live. earlier and I was like, oh man, yeah, it's like supposed to be 80 most of the other days. So when you get a 50 degree day, I That's get it. It's a, it's a cold day. That's a cold day. Yeah, I hear it.
0: I, <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. All
1: right. Well, yeah, we're so glad that you're with us, mom. And I think there's just so much here in the story. And um, I'd love... Two, to kind of, I guess, help set the stage, something that I really loved when we were talking to you about what story we might want to discuss, you actually shared about your first remembrance of Snow White. Do you want to kind of tell our listeners?
2: Sure. Um, You know, Disney was the epitome of movies back then for families. And I remember vividly going to see Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs the first time. I believe it was in 1967 because they only released these movies like every seven or ten years, I believe it was. And so in 1967, sometime in December, um, I remember our whole family getting dressed up on a Sunday, walking down the corridor of the Mission Theater, which was... To me, it was like walking down New York City streets. It was so grand to me to see all these showcases and displays and going into this very beautiful theater, which had the big red velvet curtain. And of course, back then, we did not have a color TV. So going to see a colored movie was very, very magical to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know you see Tinkerbell at the beginning of the movie, you know, displaying that this is a Disney movie and she, it was so animated and beautiful. And the witch was scary. No white was beautiful. She gets into this forest where everything's magical. The, The animals are singing with her playing around with her and she meets the seven dwarfs. And I just walked away from there thinking that this was, the most magical movie of all because she gets kissed by this prince who carries her off and they live happily ever after with the animals surrounding them. And, um, you know, everything has a happy ending in this movie and really you never go home and talk about movies back then. At least our family didn't. And my brothers even went to this, which I look back now and kind of giggle because I'm sure that they were so annoyed having to sit through a Disney Kind of girly movie like that, but it was a family affair. And,
1: um, well, and I loved even the way you like recounted it. Like, that's exactly what we're supposed to think. Mm -hmm. That's what I remember watching it when I was younger, too. You know, so I just like you painted such a vivid picture. I feel like you've always been such a good storyteller Mm -hmm. because you remember those details (laughs) and like I can feel that. And I remember like that's Mm -hmm. the nostalgia, that's the like, you know, beauty. Of these fairy tales, but I think, too, unfortunately, some like the harm is kind of like what are the underlying messages that it's teaching us? because even knowing mm-hmm. so like how old were you at that time? I mean, you were really young when and I know I was really young when well, I first saw this.
2: I wasn't really I mean, when you think about it, I was probably twelve years old. Oh, okay. you were older and, than Snow
0: White in the original story, yeah,
1: she's seven. <laughs> in the story. Seven. So you were double her, almost double her age. (laughs) Wow.
2: I know, but I still had such belief in fairy tales and fantasies and stuff at that age, which I look back at it. And I think in one way, I'm really fortunate. And the other way, you know, I'm thinking about it. And, you know, that was like during the Vietnam War, there were protests going on, there was segregation going on. And the Beatles were very popular back then. But here's me, fantasizing over a Snow White movie, you know?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think, but that's what we're supposed to do. And that's (laughs) even, you know, from, yeah, just every aspect of this, like how you started and it's like, well, she was beautiful. The queen scared me. Like, and so it's like, you've, you've already got good and evil. We're starting to say, you know, that if you have beauty, you have worth, you know, you're already starting to paint these pictures. And then how you're saved is by a beautiful prince charming. Yep. And that's the like overarching I think what people are supposed to take from this. But that's also what's the fact that we just talked about she was 7 when this so happened. Gross. Two. So like, gross. Too? Like could you imagine? I mean that that is not allowed. That's no. illegal um to just yeah, at 7 to be taken as property from a prince. Like that's ultimately what happened. She didn't have a say. Mm-hmm. He kissed her and chose her and took her and said, come be my wife.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that Disney made that change because in the original... They like the 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 apple comes out of her throat by somebody tripping and yes. messing up. Like so there was no kissing in that scenario, which I think is actually a little bit better. Let's yeah. just forget <laughs> the fact that she's 7 for a second, which is really upsetting. But I think that that's very interesting that Disney made that change and I think he did it very intentionally, mm-hmm. right? Um to give the the power to the male in that scenario, right? To give yeah. him the power to be able to make her awaken or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think I, I loved the way that you told that Sharon. And I think the big, or like one of the interesting things is Snow White, you mentioned is beautiful. Is there anything else you thought about Snow White that you really, like that really struck you about her? Is there anything else you, you could- Well,
2: she was, uh-huh. she, she was magical to me, you know, mm-hmm. she could sing, she could, you know, it's like she got to live with these seven dwarfs, which Now I look back at it and I think that's kind of weird that she's living with these seven small men who, you know, like why would you think that that was okay in any way, shape or form to have this young girl out there in the woods like that. But yeah, she was magical. She could sing, she Mm -hmm. could dance, she could talk to the animals, the birds were lighting on her fingertips.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think what you just said, too is so interesting because yeah, you think it's like okay, so a seven-year-old girl living with seven men, but I think that's purposeful and why they made them, you know, dwarfs to help to represent. Like I think they're supposed to represent more like childhood and not being mm-hmm. quote unquote yep. like harmful. So we're supposed to see them yeah. as harmless because if it if they hadn't been dwarves, so I think that even feeds into like ableism and just like the way that our culture you know is set up and there's definitely problems around that too Mm -hmm. but you know and and Rachel brought up a good point when we were talking earlier why are there no female dwarves
0: yeah and they don't get married either so they don't go they don't become like they don't have a family of their own right it's almost like they're definitely there to be a foil for her Mm -hmm. like her growth is happening she's becoming a woman at seven, which, oh, my God, it's, I can't well, get already over already at that.
1: seven that she's the one cooking and cleaning yes. for them, which I do have a question because uh-huh. I found a couple of things so interesting about this yes. story that yes. when she stumbles into their home, like somebody had already been doing that, but then they're like, oh, okay, so a woman's here. Now we're going to make her. But, you know, like there was already food on the table, wine. So did they do that every morning before leaving for the mine? That's or like how did the thing, food right? yeah. magically get there unclear the other piece that really bothers me about them and i'm not saying that like you know men have to save women but i found it very interesting that after she dies it says basically like they skip work and they sit around just staring at her dead body in the glass casket to protect her (laughs) but like why didn't one of them at least like stay home at a time like you have a naive child staying Uh with you who keeps getting killed by letting people in and you can't stay home then, but when there's a beautiful dead body in know, a glass casket, like, can they
0: stay. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, imagine those parties, right? Like they're all getting high around the glass <laughs> coffin, and like you know, they're just drinking, drinking their wine, drinking just, their wine, you know, just, just having a good was old so time. Weird. It's very weird. You're right. Like they couldn't be bothered to stay home when she was in actual danger.
1: Right. Yeah. Totally. Totally. totally and great. then. Two, to that point, something that really bothers me is how when the prince comes along, and I'm not saying it would be better if he had purchased her, which is essentially what he was starting with, but that they then found pity on him and gave her away simply because he said, I cannot stand the thought of like going a day without seeing her. Mm -hmm. So she is so objectified in this story Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. she is not he doesn't know her name he doesn't ask anything he hasn't ever heard her speak I was gonna say what if she has a voice like "Ah, (laughs) Who knows? And you're like, oh, never
0: mind. I was just kidding. So right, you go ahead. Put her back in the yeah, box. Put her right in the box. Somebody tripped
1: that way. Like you don't know, right? Like you don't know anything about her. What if she? What if she's? What if alternative endings? What? What were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say, what if she believed in Q? Then like just turn her away. Get her away. What is it, like what if he was actually mad that the person tripped and like I mean, it, oh yeah. Did, like that's did he even true. actually want a wife yeah, or was he yeah. just looking for this object? He like, just it's wanted a super painting. Super creepy. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was thinking. She's mm-hmm. like a piece of art mm-hmm. to him. She is an object. She's not, you know, and so I think the slight difference of how Disney definitely tried to turn the story because when I was little, I didn't think about that at all. I felt right. like, oh, now they're happy. Like mm-hmm. they're in love mm-hmm. because they kissed, which we also know love does not always equate. Like just because you've kissed somebody, it doesn't mean that you love them. And right. I think even, you know. Um, mom and a little bit of your story to didn't grandma once tell you that like well basically if you kiss somebody that's who you're going to marry or something along those lines pretty
2: much that that's the way it was told to me that yeah that
1: i just think the difference of generational (laughs) too you know like Yeah. yeah, yeah and that's kind of these stories support that right but like it's it's even I think because that's grandma got married so young Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of like what you know and think and pass down and so it's just that's why I'm so happy to talk with you about this too because you know my mom knows and probably most of our listeners but I'm really interested in just those kind of like generational changes Mm -hmm. and how we can look back and reflect and like just see the growth and even you know, to share a little bit about our own family story and, like, my grandma's own growth. Like, she came to know that that wasn't necessarily what was. And, like, I know you did too, Mom, but it's, like, I think stories like this eventually kind of set up people to think, oh, well, I'm going to fall in love. And maybe that's why, like, middle school, high school relationships, they feel so intense when you're young Mm -hmm. because you're kind of told all these stories that it's going to turn into just this perfect ending. And that, you know, if you date somebody, or if you kiss somebody, then they must really love you. But we know that that's not always the case.
0: Totally. And I think also the other part of this is like, there's no consent on her side. Mm. You know, and in the Disney version, he just kisses her. That's not that that is not okay. Like, she didn't, she wasn't, she wasn't awake. She didn't know that that was going to happen to her. Right. Yeah, it saved her life. But see, I think that's where the indoctrination gets for us, right? For women, um, and being used in that way. Like, that's okay, because we've been taught that, oh, he's just kissing you and now you're going to awaken. But like, that's so disturbing. That is so disturbing. Yeah. If you take that a step further and think about how, you know, it's just the objectification takes away your your ability to have any autonomy and that's disgusting that's really upsetting and i think you know again disney did that very intentionally i think the Grimm brothers didn't do that which is interesting because we don't actually know i guess at the end she does end up going with him but she could have like right then just ran from the coffin been like never mind no i'm good right (laughs) like there was a slight point where she had a choice it
1: does say snow white agreed yeah but we don't know i mean it Literally, he says, come with me and to my father's palace and I will make you my wife. We don't even get like a quote of her saying anything. We just get Snow White agreed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but at least she agreed, right? And he didn't. What
1: a marriage proposal. Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, a
1: seven-year-old. Yeah, right. A seven-year-old. Oh, seven year old. oh yeah. so gross. Yeah. I definitely thought she was older. In the, I mean, maybe it's because I was so young watching Snow White, and I think that too is purposeful by Disney. Oh, Disney but definitely they definitely her make older. her like look yeah, a lot older. Definitely. But hearing this, you know, I mean, it's much like Beauty and the Beast, as we talked about before mm-hmm. and discovered that originally was basically written and it's a story to tell young girls like this how to handle when they're married off to old wealthy men, horrible men, to be able to appreciate that like this old beastly man is going to take care of them. Mm-hmm. But so clearly this was happening and kind of a normal thing if yeah. the age of seven was used. I mean, that's purposeful here.
0: Yeah. And and I, I assume you don't grow older if you're dead.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: So I don't know if she aged in the coffin. And even like, yeah, what's
1: kind of the magic there i guess no i
0: feel really this is i feel bad for the witch because like her magic is clearly subpar (laughs) right (laughs) like like (laughs) she has to like attach it to something and then they just like take it out and she's good you know what i mean like Like it never works i don't know i just feel like she might need to revisit maybe take some classes get a little bit better right i
1: don't know well i think there's something there Yeah, but
0: what is
2: it yeah what is it with her though and the grim brother's always depicting the stepmother as evil.
0: Yes. Totally. Oh man, we have so many thoughts around this, Sharon. But what, what do you think? What, why do you think the stepmother would be What are your thoughts? I don't know
2: because the I don't know. It's like I try to think about the Grimm brothers because I think that their father died when they were young. And so they they I think they even grew up as young men to support their mom. So I'm like, "When where is that coming from? Or was that just prevalent back in the day that the husbands died off and all these young girls or the families were being raised by a stepmother. I, I don't
0: know.
1: Well, yeah, I think more um, women probably did die in yeah, childbirth. Yeah, it's definitely
0: part of that. But a lot, right. of, a lot of these original stories were actually mothers. And the Grimm brothers And they changed it to stepmother.
1: Which is interesting then really? if mom, I yeah. don't know, I hadn't heard about that or known, but yeah, if they, if their father died, maybe they really had their mother on some pedestal, right? And so really wanted to like talk about stepmothers as being more evil or I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I wonder too though. and like because I mean, as my own mom, you I have two older sisters. My dad was married before. so you played both mom and stepmom. So I think you have like a yeah a unique experience too, because yeah. I think culturally in society, like, no matter how good the relationship is, and I mean, mixed families, like that can always be challenges, but like, it's, that's still that trope of like a stepmother being bad in some way is still kind of always put unfairly, I think, on in within blended families, whether it's stepmother, stepfather, Mm -hmm. I think there's always kind of just a weird connotation there that, as we see, started how long ago? Like <laughs> all of these stories, you know, but she is a very interesting yeah. character.
2: What were you going to say, Mom? The, the, the queen, yeah. Um, yeah, like she has these powers and this vanity that mm-hmm. are so prevalent in this these movies and stuff. And you're like, going, how, how did that come about being back in that time period where they were writing these types of fairy tales? I guess they don't understand
1: that yeah well, even you know so her her vanity and like what I thought that it was interesting, too, so she talking to this mirror every day, like it ultimately became her downfall mm-hmm. because she was so vain that she like you know seeing that this other woman kind of quote unquote like won or was the fairest, she's like, Well, I have to see how beautiful she's gonna look at her wedding, so she ultimately has to go, oh, yeah,
0: we forgot to talk about
1: that, part. and this part is what's. I, because obviously this is not in the Disney version, but that she's punished and made to wear those heated iron shoes until she dies.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think this this the stepmother story perfectly encompasses the women's double bind, right? Yes, Um, because you know she has she has to be competitive with Snow White because her value is her beauty. That's her value, and so society placed that on her. She has to you know, I think her, right. And I think her, you know, her actions, I mean, she's trying to kill a child. Let's be real. That's not great. Right. But I think like she's in this corner and she's trying to figure out a way out. And, you know, the only way she can figure it out is to hurt somebody else. And Mm I, I feel like not at the killing level, but in my career, I've seen that with women, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in, there's this Mm -hmm. hyper competitiveness in relationships where like women are like, you stole my man and stuff like that, where it's like, no, like,
1: that like person blaming the other woman yes, instead of yeah
0: that man was your person and he walked out he did that not right. that you know like I think if some you know that's just a whole other thing but oh I gosh. think thinking about that bind it it feels like a bigger version of what we face all the time right as women
1: and what you're saying is making me think about like I recently saw some post, you know it's like how we always put the ownership on women so even in mm-hmm. that situation like another woman stole my man mm-hmm. or this and that but it's like how often are we saying X amount of young girls got pregnant, or X amount, you know, got an abortion, or these certain things, you know, X amount of girls were raped or harassed? Instead of saying this many men yes. raped women, right. this many like men got mm, young girls point. pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like we s- still today put the ownership on women, which I think breeds into this competition, and within that, the competition for beauty. Something that stuck out to me to make sure that the listeners knew. So we had the witch tricks her first with the stay, with the stays, which, so that's corsetry to just make sure that people followed that. And thinking about a seven-year-old girl wanting corsetry to also just talk about like the fashion and what the hell seven years old. I mean, there's so many problems with her age, <laughs> like obviously just being married off and all the things we've talked about, but even thinking about like seven year olds being expected or that she's enamored and so like enthralled that she wanted those stays.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And if you look at the symbolism of those things that, that the queen tries to kill her with, that's also, I think harkens back to your point, right. Of like, it's a, it's a comb. Right. It's a it's a stay. So those kinds of things are very much feminine, right? Mm-hmm. In it traditionally, which like one
1: taught that, that, that they're gonna make you more beautiful, that exactly. they're gonna you know. And my and mom's heard me talk about this a million times and I know our listeners had mm-hmm. too, but mom, I'd love some of your thoughts on just that fashion. I feel like it's I constantly see things and even today of like how it's still made to hold women back. Yeah. We just recently were watching um we're actually, my husband and I, in, in quarantine, you know, still and kind of like, well, what could we watch? You know, we've we've binged everything. So we're like, actually, we should watch like the Marvel series nice. in order because I have never really followed all the storylines. I'm just like, yeah, sure. I'll watch that with you. So it's actually been really interesting. But we watched Iron Man and Pepper Potts, yep. his like, you know, sidekick, the highest heels you've ever seen. Yep. The tightest skirts you've ever seen. All of these. And like, she's going into dangerous situations, not equipped. And there was a scene where um, one of the women is like changing from her tight, high-heeled outfit into her like superhero outfit. And it just made me think, and maybe this isn't like fully true, but you see those scenes in a lot of movies where like a woman has to change In, like, the back of a car, somebody else is driving and then they're Mm -hmm. distracted. But it's like, we don't do that with men. We just, like, so over sexualize women and put them in these binds of, like, through clothing, Mm -hmm. you know? So Pepper in this movie can, like, she's trying to walk over rubble in, like, six inch stilettos. And I just, I hate that expectation that even in, like, danger or as a superhero, you're wearing high heels, like the newest Wonder Woman that yeah. came out. Mm-hmm. She's wearing freaking wedge heels, like it even go- I don't know. I just get so annoyed about high heels and the like. They hold us back. They don't let us be as fast and powerful and strong as others. And you see this starting with a seven-year-old girl being tempted by corsetry.
0: Yeah, well, and I think it, it's it's ironic, right? Because that beauty is killing her literally. Yes. And I think Whoa. that I don't know what they want us to believe there. Like it sounds like that those aren't good things, right? Like we're not supposed to like those things. Right. Um so I but we're supposed to uphold the expectation. So it's very confusing on what Graham It is wants. hard because mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I mean, how do we find that balance? And mom, I know we've had these discussions, but like how do you find that balance between like You know, like I like to look nice and even like being okay with liking to have on lipstick or these girly things, but knowing that like your worth is still there without it. But Mm -hmm. mom, sorry, I feel like I went on a soapbox tangent and I would love kind of if you had any thoughts on corsetry or fashion (laughs) and any of that stuff.
2: Well, um, again, I'm going to go back to when I was about 12 and 13 years old was when girls could start wearing pants to school. And wow. up until that time wow. you had to wear a dress or a skirt and it would be freezing cold out and your, your coat came down the same length as your skirt. So when, you know, you were walking to school and listen, I'm one of those, oh, when I was young and I walked all my to <laughs> school, so, but you walk to school with these skirts on, you know, it was freezing cold. Your legs wow. would be goosebumps for the first two hours of school. So that's wearing pants wild. Pants was such a privilege, but my father believed that girls should wear skirts, so I could only wear them one day a week.
1: The pants? Until,
2: I mean, he yeah, had the pants. And so as I got older, you know, then it became two days a week. I think by the time I graduated high school, I could wear them three days a week. But, wow. Mindy, you and I have had so many discussions <sighs> about high heel shoes. I've They're horrible for you. No woman looks good walking in them because you have to practice it over and over again. (laughs) They're just so uncomfortable. They're horrible for your spine, your back, your feet. Um, But yet movies continue to depict that, that no matter what your powers are or no matter what situation you're in, if you have stiletto high heel shoes on, and makes you look better, and right. then I just because you have to
1: be yeah. sexy and powerful. You can't mm-hmm. just be powerful, right? And exactly, wow! I did not know that story, Mom, that's about wild. the like skirts and stuff. Man, I'm just crazy. very oh, yeah. thankful
0: for being able to wear pants right now because yes, well, and, or to have a choice. Yes, yes. exactly. That's you know, that's I, it. Yeah,
1: wow. Yeah,
2: And be able to if you if it's summer and you want to wear a dress, you can wear a dress. But if true, you yeah. don't want to wear a dress, you should be able to wear pants. Yeah, my. I, was, I told you this before, Mindy, but I never saw my grandmothers in anything but dresses.
0: Wow. You know,
2: um, you know, they were both, one lived to be in her 80s and the other was in her early 70s, but never saw them in anything but dresses because that's all they
1: wore. Wow. I also you know? think it's interesting because we've talked too, about like, I guess where I'm kind of going is like the woman's body on display or like when you can be proud of it Mm -hmm. and when you can't. And you shared with me, mom, about your like pregnancy clothes, because I was talking about how it's hard to find (laughs) great maternity clothes for plus size women today. And tell tell our listeners what you told me.
2: (laughs) Well, I was working at General Motors at the time. And I literally looked like a pilgrim with a tent on. I had this huge white apron thing on a collar and the dress flowed about three miles or I felt like three miles in every direction around me because you weren't supposed to show off your pregnancy back then. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was not a good look. I looked back at some of those pictures and you felt like a walking tent. You look like a walking tent because you, just weren't supposed to show off your baby bump. Which I just think is so weird. Regards, especially in the workplace. Yeah. Especially in wow. the workplace.
1: That you're supposed to hide I, it, but yet you're also trained that like yeah. your value and purpose as a woman is to have children. Mm-hmm. But then when you're pregnant, you're supposed exactly. to hide it. Yep. Wow.
2: And Mindy, I know I shared with you this story that when I was pregnant with you, and I didn't find out until I was pregnant a little while with you, but <laughs> when I told them at work, I was up for a promotion, and in front of other people, I was told that I could kiss that promotion goodbye because I was pregnant again. Wow. And, I mean, in this day and age, you know, that never would have flown, but back then, I just, I was crying because I thought, oh, no, you know, I've done something wrong.
0: Oh, man.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in this day and age, hopefully people would be oh, going I, to HR you, and be supported sue, or like sue, sue the company. Very quickly. But I think to your point, mom, like that definitely yeah. still happens. We actually, um, we talking with, um, in a, in a previous episode with Mia O'Malley, we were talking the story of Rumpelstiltskin and talking about just those expectations that are put on women. And, um, you know, there's definitely studies that show men get a promotion when the workplace finds out that they have children because they're seen as like a good provider Mm -hmm. and a father Mm -hmm. and women are held back from promotion. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, sadly, I don't know how much that has changed. I don't know that it would be verbally said as straightforward in front of everyone today, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely still common practice, which just is so upsetting. Well, it's
2: very sad to think that they don't look at the expectations that women have when it comes to having children and continuing to work and the value
1: that they provide in both scenarios. Totally. And just not valuing all women's work, you know, like caregiving and all the extra hours outside of the home. It's like just a lot. I um, apologize to our listeners if I've shared this before. My pregnancy brain is um, (laughs) sometimes I forget, but there was some stat that I think, if you are to breastfeed for a whole year, it's as much time as like a full-time job. That's wild. I may have those stats slightly wrong. I'll look them up and we'll post it on Instagram. <laughs> but it was something, it's like a crazy amount of hours. Yeah. And, you know, how do you fit that all in when, I don't know, it's just a lot. When but, you're
0: expected to work those hours. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't. there's just so much in this story. And I guess, you know, mom. Yeah, but
0: I, there's one other point.
1: Yeah, yeah that's what of, I was going to say. I'm like, what else do we, what do we talk about here?
2: <laughs> how come, where was the dad?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: the, the dad's missing in Cinderella, the dad's missing in Snow White. And like I said, I think the Grimm brothers, their father died when they were young. It's like, it's just so weird to me that these stepmothers had the reign over these households and the dad was never seen.
1: Yeah. It is interesting because we often see that in stories where then it's like, we're supposed to be okay with the father being complacent or not being there. And I think that even feeds into just society today of the expectations that the people who truly are making decisions for and about the children who are actually taking care of them are the female. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that the men... We don't need to know where they are because we're taught and trained that it, it doesn't, doesn't, matter, doesn't matter, that they're not involved in the child rearing. And mm-hmm. so I think to me, that's kind of what I take away from it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I think that the, it's it definitely a way to lower expectations on what men yes. are supposed to do and, and then also forgive them when they don't do the right thing. Mm hmm. Um, and I, I think it's just serves as a device to make sure that we do that. Right. right. Um, they don't have to, they don't have to, you know, they're babysitting their own child. Right. Um, I think oh, that's really, yeah. really that. Yeah. Oh, that drives me it crazy. Up. Yeah. Sums it up right there. Right. You know?
1: That it's not like, like when a mom has like a day out, it's like, Oh, the dad, oh, don't worry. Like my husband's babysitting. It's like, no, no. Cause are women aren't, <laughs> it's not like, oh, I'm babysitting my child every night. But like, that's what we say to men. And like, yeah, that builds that separation. Like you hire a random person to come babysit. Not like, right. you know,
0: not your own spouse. Yeah. it's very strange. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but I think that's a really good point. And, you know, the story has so much here. Just the last last thing, I know we're close to time, but the last thing I wanted to quickly discuss was this idea of like Snow White's growth. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of research or a lot of talk around the Apple, like it's Eve... Eve-esque, right, oh, in the yeah. way that she bites Ooh. into the apple and she awakens, right? Um, and there's a man there. So there's been a lot of talk about her awakening sexuality. Mm. And prior to that, right, prior to getting the apple, she makes mistakes. And a lot of times they say that that's like her becoming an adult. Like when you're younger, you do you do more rash things. And then mm. as you get older, you like kind of awaken and change. Um, so I just w- wondered if you guys had any thoughts of that before we... Before we round up this discussion,
2: it's kind of, it's so creepy (laughs) when I sit here. It's like, I think, why? I can't even imagine women sitting around and having this discussion when I was younger and had, and you were little, Mindy. But yeah, to think of the symbolisms and how that might have played into the, you know, the biblical sense of that is just, um, I don't know. I don't even have the words for it because, she, again, she's only seven years
1: old. So, yep. I don't get the symbolism in that. It's creepy. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: it sure is. But mm-hmm. yeah,
1: I think sometimes it's hard with this story because it like that is so impactful. The age, and sometimes I keep like I feel like in a lot of our discussion, we have to be like, okay, let's like set that aside for a second. I don't think we
0: can set that aside.
1: Well, <laughs> gotta. No, I mean it's it's there, but yeah. I think even just in the point overall, like because mm-hmm. I do agree in that that like it is supposed to be her awakening but how messed up that that's supposed to be when she's seven or eight years old Mm -hmm. but yeah I think that symbolism we see in a lot of stories of the apple or the forbidden fruit the you know it was a pear earlier in the season (laughs) in a story we were talking about but it I think it all kind of has that same underlying theme and what we're supposed to take from it
0: yeah that uh, the theme is don't take the apple
1: yeah Yeah. I think so
0: hang out with the I don't know. You're cooking and cleaning all day, so...
1: Or go pick your own apple. There you go. Ooh. Is that (laughs) in my... That's our Femlore shirt shirt merch right there. Go pick your own apple. How do you like them apples? (laughs) Also, it's just making me... I don't know. I mean, I think yeah, sorry, mom, this TMI, but it's like, you know, like, teach women to be more empowered and know their own bodies. Like, you don't need a partner, like, because I think that can lead to issues too, when people thinking that like, oh, you know, I need somebody else for like this sort of pleasure or whatever, like, get to know your own body safely Mm -hmm. before you're even, you know, eating somebody else's fruit. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and with that, femur. go out. pick your own <laughs> apple. Go pick your own
0: apple. I love it. <laughs> you go, girl.
1: <laughs> oh man. Well, Mom, I love you very much and um I hope you had a wonderful Mother's Day and I'm just so excited to see you soon. I know um yeah, it's it's been a, a long year, but for our listeners, obviously, I'm um, having a baby on the way. So my parents will get to come visit, which is so exciting and um, meet the little one. But yeah, happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you for your insights for being such an awesome mom. And it was so cool to hear about your experience with this story.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Um, It was a pleasure, Rachel, to be able to talk to you again. And Mindy, I'm so honored to be your mom. So thank you for
1: blessing me as my daughter. Oh, thanks, Mom. All right. Well, we love you and we'll talk to you. We love you, Fenmore loves you. Yeah, we'll talk talk to you on the Fenmore Flip. Love you. All right, bye. bye
0: Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode, but you can always find us on Instagram at Fimlor podcast or visit us online at femlore.com. We love what we do, but we can't do it without you. Your listens, shares, and reviews keep us going, so please tell your friends about us. Fimlore is produced by Mindy Scott, Rachel Marr, Aaron Crossland, and Lauren Crossland-Marr. Audio engineering and music by Aaron Crossland, research and coordination by Lauren Crossland-Marr, and as always, canine support provided by Andy and Cody.
1: Ow!